GodzillaMedia.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The GameZilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock the Diamond Nine. GameZilla. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios, the producer, the Deadite Knight. Hit me with some low bones. Yeah, get it, some. It, get some. <laughs> if everybody watching that live, it looked really weird. Yeah. Our hands disappeared. I watched that episode of Letter Kenny today, so... Good, all, good. About the, all about the low bones. The low bones is so good. Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome to episode 260 of the Games Little Podcast, brought to you by our supporters at patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. As a patron, your financial contribution goes to the success and growth, and I'll throw it on their existence of GameZilla Media. We appreciate it so much. Uh, and patronage starts at just $1 a month, giving you voting access here on the GameZilla podcast and some other cool perks. And the $5 exclusive content level can give you access to the uh, the Legend of Retro Game Shark episodes, the Dungeon of Doom, if I don't just quit being a WWE fan, uh, as well as the GameZilla podcast pre-show, where the audio is exclusively tied to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. So go there, start your patronage today. Every dollar counts, and we appreciate it so much. So thank you. All right, well, I have to work after this show, so we're going to keep it moving. We got some news coming up, so Deadite, go ahead and cue that going because uh, we got some good topics. Here it is the news. Rock and roll. I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching GameZillaMedia.com. Downloading headlines. What about this monster story of yours? Downloading all right, topic number one, two, three, and four all combined is that there was gaming news today, and it was good. All right, moving on. <laughs> but some of it was objectively bad. That's right. You decide next week on the Games of the Podcast. <laughs> topic number one, Microsoft and Sony announce a partnership. A what? It's where Sony actually gets along with other people. They're like, like friendship. But in business, so a partnership. But Sony's natural enemy is Microsoft. And right. Sony's other natural enemy is Nintendo. And and Sony's other natural enemy is Sony. Okay, good. I was damn hoping so- you were going Damn Sony, they're ruining Sony. <laughs> I was really hoping that you were uh, you were going down that road, but <laughs> and you did. You didn't let me down. So yeah, Microsoft Sony are teaming up for the future of gaming. It's all about the Xbox and PlayStation beating. Amazon and Google. That's right. Google uh, Stadia and Amazon's, I don't believe they actually have an official name for it, but the streaming platform has uh, has scared Sony into teaming up with once rival Microsoft, a.k.a. the Xbox. Tis a deadly alliance. The deadly alliance. It's like the Shang- deadliest alliance. <laughs> More deadly than Shang Tsung and Quan Chi. Yep, you're right. It's it, it, oof. Shang Tsung and Quan Chi right now shaking in their boots. Yeah. All right. But uh, basically, they last week this uh, this went down, to, and the two companies are collaborating to develop the future of cloud solutions is the way that they put it, okay? And so they didn't necessarily sit there and talk about how they're going to take a PlayStation and Xbox and, and merge them together. And in fact, um, this was this was the best the best quote of the whole article. This article comes from The Verge. And the, the best part was, it was a big surprise for fans of both Xbox and PlayStation. Um, even shocked Sony's own PlayStation team, which apparently wasn't made aware of these dis- discussions. That sounds so <laughs> Sony, Sony to, not, <laughs> to not put out a memo that's like, hey, FYI, we're about to drop some big news with Microsoft. Stay tuned. And they, they probably found out. Like, you're just like a Sony employee. You, you like, IGN news pops up. You're like, wait, what's going on? Am I fired? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. But... Uh, yeah, so so PlayStation team didn't even know this was going down. And that brings me back to the, the point of it's a collaboration to develop the future in cloud solutions. So Sony has come out and said they are going to use Microsoft Azure to uh, cloud, 
cloud um, services to build their next cloud-based whatever. And Microsoft's going to help them as far as it being a collaboration of like who knows what it's going to be. It could just be sharing services in the background and you still have the Microsoft and in, in, uh, Sony um, battle that, that we're going to see here with the PS5 and the, and the new Xbox. But um, it is very interesting to see Sony get scared is really what this is. This is a reaction to, to Google, to Amazon, to watching the, you know, to watching Google take Stadia and mix in you, uh, YouTube and really make the, the, how easy it would be to just jump to YouTube, watch a video and go, I want to play that and click one button and you're playing. That scares Sony. And it should. It should scare everyone because that is if Google can make that work and if they can get the content, that, that is the threat. That is all of a sudden the, the little guys here being Microsoft, PlayStation, and Nintendo all of a sudden have a new enemy that they can all team up together and be like, all right, we need to make sure they don't just trample us. It's it's not that different from what we've seen in the automotive industry, yeah, where it's like Tesla came along, and then all the other big car manufacturers were like, "Hey, maybe we should figure out how to make electric cars and team up, so <laughs> that guy doesn't run us out of business." Because it is, if you look at, you know, Microsoft and Google specifically compared to Sony, they're way more advanced and way bigger companies from a technological standpoint. By real quick, just let's back it up about twenty seconds. By that guy, who are you referencing? I'm not sure. Uh, my sworn enemy, Elon Musk. <laughs> ah, yes. I just wanted you to say his name. Anyways, make continue <laughs> your statement. So, you know, it's the same thing with like some of the automotive manufacturers, and they they had a lot of ground to make up, and it's it's the same thing. Sony has a lot of ground if they want to catch up to anywhere near what Google's going to be offering. I can't even predict what Amazon's going to do because it's Amazon's a hard company for me to wrap my brain around sometimes. Right. Where Google, it just feels like they could do anything and be anything. Amazon, I'm still like, you're still just a really big online store that offers services. But they own Twitch. They do own Twitch. Yeah. So if they could take their streaming service and do something with Twitch, I almost think it's it's on the same level of YouTube, if not even better. You're right. So, so Sony has ground to make up, and you're right. This is them kind of grasping to go. Uh oh, if we don't, if we don't make bold plays, we're going to get left behind. And this is a bold play, and it's definitely one of the like looking around like the lesser of the two evils. Like this is, it seems like it's an epic story of like these two rivals coming together for their own self preservation. And when I say their own self preservation, it's more like Microsoft extending a hand. Like we don't want our, we don't want our old rival to die. Well, and let's flip it. Okay, let's look at Microsoft. I, I look at it this way. You don't want Sony to go team up with Google or yeah, Amazon. Yeah. So I, that that's the way I look at it is that, hey, you know, the lesser of two evils is help Sony and, 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 and form an alliance because if, they, if you didn't and they took PlayStation to Stadia, then all of a sudden we'd be looking at Microsoft going, uh-oh. This does. This isn't good. This looks really bad for them. Yeah. So it's a smart move in that in that sense because yeah, you're right. Like Microsoft's already been friendly with Nintendo. Uh, you know, in this past year, really creating a, a lot of cool um, features that are, that have already hit the Switch or are coming to the Switch, and now you're seeing them team up with Sony and really prepare for what is this next generation of streaming service gameplay. So it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to hear a lot. I think E3 is just, you're, we're, we are learning right now just how interesting E3 is going to be this year. My big question is, is this going to be one of those things where it's so behind the scenes, it will never really mean anything other than maybe cross-play or something working a little better or both companies using a similar technology? Yeah. You know, like you're saying, they're using Azure. That could be that could be so deep seated and deep rooted underneath all of the other Sony proprietary features. That's something we never think about ever again. Yeah, I mean, most people don't even know what we're talking about yeah. already, right? Be, but being in the IT field, we deal with Azure a lot. And but bottom line is, Sony does not have the infrastructure to build their own cloud service. They need somebody, and it's, and they just feel Microsoft is that company that they can use and work with 
that's the the lesser evil than say uh, Stadia or, or or even sorry I should say Google or Amazon. Yeah. And so I think um, I think it's a smart move for both parties. It's it's a good look for them. Um, you know, you're right. Is this something where we really it's all behind the scenes, or do we quickly start to see some weird collaborations that we never thought we would see happen? You know, just in the sense of all the like, I'm not saying The Last of Us Two Part Two is coming to Xbox. That's definitely not what I'm getting at. So everybody pump their brakes on that. But you know, at the same time, like you say, some unique cross-play functionality, and and maybe the evolution of PlayStation Plus starts to kind of feel a lot like Xbox Live, since Microsoft already has openly said anyone can can use this, mm-hmm. and they're starting to work with Nintendo with it, and and obviously it's already integrated into PC, so we don't know what it consists of. All we know now is like these two are these two are actually working together instead of sitting there and like i mean it wasn't that long ago it was a year ago that we were sitting here and sony was like uh, yeah we'd love to work with people and then they like go and tr- look at a developer and like you will never have cross play ever <laughs> there yeah there was so much shade like a year ago it's like we need to protect our players from those uh those degenerates over there on the microsoft platform so it it yeah. is interesting yeah and uh, you know, coming coming from the uh, the chat here uh, on our online uh, stream here, we do have Christian saying that Sony was already talking with Amazon since 2018, but couldn't come up with anything. Um, it, it it is that is true, but you know, so be thankful, I guess, Microsoft. But at the same time, the reason why you can't come up with thing, anything with Amazon is that Amazon wants to like own you. Amazon wants to control the wants the better end of the deal always. And Sony's stubborn. So maybe that stubbornness actually worked out for Microsoft, and in the end, it'll work out for both of them. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I don't know. Let us know what you think about this topic. It's It seems pretty cool. Um, you know, there's not a ton of details right now. That's why I'm not getting into specifics about cloud technology and stuff, because we don't even know what they're going to use it for. We just simply know that they've made a deal. Um but let us know. You just hop on over to gameslomedia.com. You join the Discord. Click on that button right on the homepage. Talk with gamers from around the world every day. We have that Xbox channel. We have that PlayStation channel. Jump in one of those. Let's talk about this some more there. But we're going to get into uh, topic number two, a more personal topic for us. Um, we are going to talk about Detective Pikachu. We went on a little double date. And by double date, it was Dead Eye and Me. And two buckets of popcorn. That's it. And our wives. Four buckets of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yeah, we uh, we had set up plans to go see Detective Pikachu. We had heard good things about it. And, you know, uh, obviously it's a video game-based movie, so we we had to go see it. We're almost, we're almost like, required now under contract. Did you see Assassin's Creed? I did. I didn't. I did. I took the bullet for us there. <laughs> <laughs> I took the bullet for us there. Uh, but no, seriously, the um, we went and saw this movie. It, it's your you know your live action Pokemon movie that uh, we've been excited to see. It, the trailers looked cool. We didn't you know I don't know a ton about. I, I owned Det- Detective Pikachu the game. I played a tiny bit of it, and so like I really didn't know what to expect. It was a lot of fun. That's all it needed to be. It Absolutely. was simple and just fun, playful, um, cool looking. And it had a decent story. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to win awards or anything like that, but it was just a good time. What I what I really thought watching the movie is, man, they really could have plucked this story directly out of a mainline Pokemon yes, game. Yes, exactly. All the twists and turns and everything that went along with it, if the story wasn't about a crime-solving Pikachu and his, you know, his mystery partner there... If, if if you just replace that aspect of the story with a Pokemon trainer battling their way through the story, it easily could have just been a regular story in a Pokemon game. Yeah, that was my thought too. I was like, with the, with the way everything looked and the and the way they were doing it, I'm like, man, you could honestly just you know drop in Ash, drop in drop in the characters that we know and do a live action, and I would be here to watch it because they just it was just good. It was just fun. Now again. We remove a talking Pikachu that's a detective and all this stuff. 
maybe it does lose a, a lot of momentum. I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't feel like it was that impactful uh, of a piece. I thought the world was more interesting to me, and just every time you turned, you were searching for a new Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, and, and they created the interesting world where, and, and I mean, Pokemon and humans get along all the time, but this particular city. You actually watch them kind of coexist in a working world. Yeah. And so watching some of uh, your favorites be a bartender. Man, Ludicolo just <laughs> slanging drinks. <laughs> right? And so like things like that that just created a, just a fun environment and, and, and a good laugh and then some really fun action scenes. So it got me thinking, first of all, if you haven't seen Detective Pikachu, it, I totally recommend it. it Absolutely. It, it's a fun, fun movie. Um, for for all ages, for any Pokemon fan, but it got me thinking about what can game oriented movies learn from this. And I think when I sat back and watched this movie, it was just being itself. It wasn't trying so damn hard to be super serious or to be ultra realistic, even though it, like. It can't be so like a great example. We talked about it last week, Super Mario Bros. Like they, they took it to this like realism level where they were trying to make Yoshi look like a real dinosaur. And and again, that's a bad comparison because of how old that movie is and the technology they had at that point. But still, I just I like this movie because it just it tried to be itself and that was a huge success. And we've seen it. Uh, you know, Wreck It Ralph is kind of not really based off of a game, but it, it, it lives in that kind of that gray area of game slash movie. And it does a really good job of just being itself in a cartoon form. But live action, we have not had a very good streak. I mean, by a very good streak, I mean, we have had no streak. (laughs) I mean, this is by far my favorite video game movie that's not called Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I I would have to agree with you that this Wreck-It Ralph is really good. This is right there with it. Yeah. And, you know, they're very different. So, um, yeah, I just, I for me, I just really, really like that they didn't, you know, I always think back to, like, when X-Men first came out. Yeah. Okay? I really liked it because I was a huge X-Men fan. But what I didn't like was, like, they tried to really make it real, like, okay, instead of them putting them in their, like, goofy outfits, we're going to put them in these just leather suits. Yeah. And instead of, like, you know, letting them be the, their characters that they are in the comics, we're going to humanize them you know, a ton where sometimes they didn't even feel like the superhero that you or villain that you are used to. Yeah. And so, you know, and then you fast forward as, uh, as superhero movies have evolved and you go look at things like the Avengers and stuff. And it's really gone back to let's, let's make these guys what they are in the comics. And it was a huge success, right? I, this is what they did here for a video game. And like, there has not been that, like, guaranteed success like process to follow in game related movies that anybody's left for for that next person to pick up and and make a successful movie this is it right here look at this and understand you didn't have to have the biggest names you didn't have to dump all the money into the CGI you didn't have to go crazy like throughout the whole thing. I'm not saying this movie was made with $7 million. I don't even know the budget. It was probably big. But still, they did a good job, and they didn't have to overkill anything to the point where it was successful right out the gate, and I'm sure at this point it's greenlit for whatever else they want to make at this point. So I think uh, anybody making a game-related movie needs to definitely add this to their to their, you know, research and understand why this was so successful because it was just it actually was itself and it played it played tribute to the games it played tribute to all that stuff yeah one of the things i liked a lot about it as someone who is a lifelong pokemon fan and over 20 year fan of the series to be able to see those little little nods little things in the background uh you know little mentions of things that f- were part of the games or part of the the anime series and, and just catch those little Easter eggs was was like, wow, the people that wrote this and put this movie together really cared about the series. And is that actually 
The biggest reason why this was successful is you can tell the people that made it cared a great deal about the material. I have to imagine the people that made the Assassin's Creed movie don't care at all, didn't care at all about Assassin's Creed. Right. Or, you know, and how, how Doom. Do you think the people that made Doom actually cared about Doom that much? And I, that might be a huge difference is the actual care of the series that was handled here. Yeah, I definitely took away from that that, you know, whatever whatever they did, it felt like everything was like legit to me. And I feel too many times we we uh, give a pass to to a movie because we're like, well, it's a movie and you know, they have a uh, creative freedom and 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 they just they they tweak things a little bit and like, yeah, that's true, but I mean, we've watched uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for God's sake, live action. We watched the Transformers live action movies, and those are two two IPs that I care a ton about. That those movies are super depressing. <laughs> so <laughs> to keep my to keep it clean, they're just super depressing. Something that came up during uh, it's not during the the Patreon pre show recording. It, it was just uh, while we were killing some time on our our live stream on Twitch and. And uh, Facebook, I was just talking with the people that were in the stream earlier tonight about uh, different TV series. Obviously, Game of Thrones is a hot topic right now. And, uh, you know, some Game of what? Game of Thrones? Never heard of it. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah, all white. I neuralized you before the show. Um, I neuralized myself. <laughs> by dumping bleach in your ears. Got right into your what brain. Whatever it takes. Uh, so just talking about sometimes it feels really bad when you're a fan of something and it feels like the people that created that don't care about your time investment and disrespect your time investment or your passion for it. And that's how maybe I feel right now as a wrestling fan. A lot of Game of Thrones fans feel that they invested all this time and it didn't pay off. I've invested 20 years of loving Pokemon, and it really paid off watching this movie. I, I was absolutely in love with it. It was wonderful. And I didn't feel disrespected. I didn't feel like they took something I cared about and twisted it around to make it something that I didn't love. They they gave me fan service pretty much through and through. So this wasn't House of the Dead? Man, House of the Dead was really bad. <laughs> All right, we don't need to go down that list of bad movies. I think we did that <laughs> last week. But uh, yeah, so it, there you have it. Lot to, you know, a lot to, uh, to pull from. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Detective Pikachu. I I have one one small oh, gripe okay. with the movie. Oh, gripe. Okay, let's let's, let's trash it now. Yeah, let's just, let's just tear it apart. This was the <laughs> dumbest movie I've ever seen. No, uh, to, you know, towards the end there was a big, there were some big scenes that had a lot of Pokemon in it. A lot of them were repeat Pokemon or Pokemon we saw earlier in the movie. I know they're just recycling the models they built, the 3D models they already built. It would have been nice in some of these scenes to see a few, little bit more diversity. And there wasn't a point at the, the climax of the movie that we were seeing a couple new Pokemon peppered in there. It was all stuff we'd seen throughout the movie. And so the last 15 minutes, you keep you lose that. Oh, there's a new one. And there's a new one, which was really fun for the first portion of the movie. Yeah. Let's be honest. How, bad, how badass was Mewtwo? What Mewtwo's in the movie? I mean, Spoiler you see, alert! You see it in the trailer, <laughs> yeah, he was really cool. He was sweet. Uh, it reminded me uh, the way the way it was done reminded me a lot of the Pokemon the first movie Mewtwo, yeah. the type of character who like th like if you've seen Pokemon the first movie from the year nineteen ninety nine or whatever when that came out, and you watch this, they, they somehow connect. Very, very well. The, yeah. the spirit of the character, uh, the the way the character acts and things it says, it all of a sudden it connects really well. And that was something that, again, there was clearly care put into this. Yep. Yep. Nope. I agree. All right. Topic number three. That I take it away. All right. So I lost my placeholder. <laughs> when I Topic number three. <laughs> I accidentally closed out the browser. I'm just getting back to it. Okay. There's something cool going on with Overwatch. No, Overwatch is is it's the same thing over and over again, stale. It might not be for much longer. What are you talking about? So Overwatch has released uh, in the, to a limited number of players uh, a new tool called Overwatch Workshop. And what it is is it's a set of tools that allow you to do some basic coding to actually create your own custom games within Overwatch. Custom games? So what, like, you got some examples for me here? Yeah, so uh, one of the examples that they say in this article that's from The Verge, 
uh, is, you know, there's that hamster character now that can yeah, roll into bar. Ball. I haven't played Overwatch in over a year, so I have no idea anything about I the new characters. I just played Overwatch recently, and that was the first time I got to play Wrecking Ball, yeah. and a lot of fun. So there, someone made a mode where you go into ball mode and you race across the maps to different checkpoints. Someone made a mode where you have to play as a stealthy character and you have to creep from point to point without getting murdered by the other team and capture the points. There is a mode that someone made where you play as Bastion and you're flying through the air shooting each other. Someone made a mode. Uh, oh, they made just a tweak where uh, you can quickly uh, press a button and pull up a wheel to just flick the joystick and change your hero. Oh, cool. Like cool little things like that. And so this tool was, uh, the idea for this tool was created about two years ago when the developers of Overwatch, when Blizzard was like, hey, we we see that we have these custom map modes. We'd like to expand, I mean, this custom game modes. We'd like to expand on it. And so many people were giving them suggestions. There's no way they could create all these different suggestions. There's no way they could test them. There's no, you know, like the, the staff isn't big enough. So they're giving these fans these tools so they can dream things up and they can show off what Overwatch can become, which is super cool. And uh, there is already 2.7 million custom games made. And again, this is just something that's on the test servers right now. It's it's out to a limited audience. Uh, oh, Blizzard would like to eventually bring this to console players and bring it out to the masses where uh, all Overwatch players can enjoy these uh, workshop tools. I mean, it sounds really cool. I like the idea. It reminds me of, say, like a uh, little big planet or something mm-hmm. like that where yeah, I, I didn't really care too much for like the game itself, but I would love going online and playing like levels that was like, me playing through Sonic the Hedgehog, me playing through a Mega Man level. It was it was fun to watch the fan creation, same as like Mario Maker, right? We've we've enjoyed we've had a ton of fun with Mario Maker. So to take that that concept and add it to a shooter, a competitive shooter like this, is um, I mean yeah, you have Fortnite that's that's done their their custom build section where uh, even um, Owl Owl Zero and I have uh, built like. Um, uh, what, what an obstacle course. obstacle course thank you and so you know like they've kind of done it too so now you have overwatch adding it to this piece and but this one takes it a little bit step further where everything else is like it's build right this isn't like tools this they give you a set of code like they yeah. give you areas you can code it's yeah. not like a click and click level right. builder yeah you're not stuck within a, a, a one style template the mm. fact that you do have access light access to coding means that you you know like the like just the examples that you gave us were so vastly different from one another that it is very uh, interesting to see what will happen, especially as they open it up to more and more people, um, you know, to see what this library really turns into. And then what they do with some of the popular stuff, like is a mode created that really, uh, as, th- as this article had talked about, the future of Overwatch, you know, like lies in the hands of the fans. Mm-hmm. It's like, does, does somebody create something so cool that it actually ends up creating a permanent real mode that, you know, Blizzard takes, hopefully honors that person in some way for coming up with the idea and then makes it an official mode of Overwatch. It'd be really cool and we could see a rapid growth to the features in the gameplay of Overwatch, which and would be maybe, really cool. Maybe professional Overwatch will be watchable at that point. <laughs> yeah, maybe it will be. <laughs> I think there's a long way to go from that. It'd take a lot of coding to fix that. Uh, so uh, just a follow-up question before we move on to our next thing. Um, yeah. So do you think this will be a feature that will become more common in games as we go along, and what game would you want this this feature in? I can see this feature getting more common now that we're seeing developers figuring out how they can take their tools and dumb them down where like just casual gamers and stuff can use them you know because from just a little bit that i've studied in game design it's it's very intimidating so to be able to take those tools and actually let people make stuff with them that that's a that's a feat in and of itself that that they've accomplished but um you know i think i think we will see it more because people are enjoying it and custom matches are something that you you know that we we've enjoyed and you hear people cry for all the time so uh taking it another step and letting them actually create instead of just say you know snipers and pistols and and what map i want to pick yeah that, that's cool but that's been around for a long long time so what's that next step this is it uh a game i'd like to see it in 
Man. Destiny 2? <laughs> <laughs> they give you a reason to play no. Destiny 2 ever again. I, I, that's, a, that's a wrong answer, though. I really don't care about Destiny anymore. I, I, I guess we'll see. So, something I'd like to see it in. Give it to Apex. I'm so obsessed with Apex right now, and I feel like Apex is uh, very basic and only has you know you only have the one game mode so you know i want to see more happen and if you gave some of that if respawn gave some of that just ability to its fan base the things they could do with such a butter smooth system already i'd be interested i'd like to see it in a a procedurally generated game like Dead Cells. It seems like there's already so much going on in Dead Cells. What if people could go in and create their own modes or create their own levels within that game? Yeah, or like even even on top of the levels, you have like right now when you play Dead Cells, there, there's your go-to loadout, right? Yeah. Like these are the things you want. So what happens if you would let those players actually drop in new items and stuff yeah, where you exactly. could change those types of... Uh, loadouts where you don't have the the one or two winnable loadouts yeah that'd be so there, there's a lot of different roguelike games where you could come up with cool verse modes that people could create and there's there's a lot of cool stuff you could do just with the natures of a lot of our roguelike games right now yeah and we've seen it in racing games before but i think track editors and are always fun but if you could actually give code to actually like yeah uh you know and, and that would be tough because in a ra- especially in a racer that maybe has licensed cars and stuff, you're not yeah. going to let them mess with that. But like, think of what people could do with being able to like uh, maybe like a um, burnout paradise. Yeah, what they could do with the mechanics of the vehicle and what they could do with creating a track. Yeah. So I don't know. That'd be that'd be cool. All right. Well, that's uh, topic number three. We're going to move into our Patreon news topic of the week. You vote on it, you supporters, you patrons, patreon.com slash Media. Every week you get to pick a news topic that we're going to talk about. This week you selected not the HPO man, that's for sure. That lost pretty bad. We had a good talk about it for our Patreon pre-show, though. We did, we did, and so you can catch that on Patreon. But the winner this week is Epic Game Store. And I don't know if I really want to call them the winner, but the, the topic winner is the Epic Game Store and their epic sale winner is that it? is co- currently going on. And so It's an epic something. It's an epic something. So basically, Epic came around and, and wanted to have one of their first big sales, their store-wide sales, that they were going to offer like 10, at least $10 off any game over $14.99. So a $15 game is now 5 bucks. They said that they would be covering this cost um, once they got past their their profit level, basically. Um, the, the issue here is, and the reason why this is in the news, is that a bunch of games have temporarily left the Epic Game Store during the sale. So this is kind of uh, been starting to create a little bit of a mess and a little bit of disappointment, but um, the, the basically... Games like, so pre-orders, first of all, games like Borderlands 3, stuff like that that aren't even out yet, are removing themselves so that you can't get your uh, your deal on the store. And so, and it makes sense because they're not, like, that's the thing about this, this sale that I guess Epic didn't necessarily communicate it very well with the developers. And because of it, you have a lot of people that are like, my game's not even out yet. I wasn't ready to put it on sale. Yes, I know you're going to cover part of it, but you're not going to cover your profit part. So, like, I'm still losing out on a little bit of money here. And so that, that's the interesting piece, the, the uh, first ever mega sale. Uh, is causing some pricing and availability hiccups for a few publishers. So the couple of games in the stores, small catalogs seem to have been removed themselves from the platform rather than participate in the temporary price reductions, which, again, they're not breaking any rules. They're allowed to do this. So, you know, fans might be upset where they're like, oh, I could have got Borderlands 3 for 40 bucks or whatever. You know, well, not 40 bucks, but 50 bucks instead of 60 bucks. Well, you know, it was their right to pull their game. They, they were not uh, by any means required to be part of this. Uh, the Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines 2 was also removed, another game that uh, people have been getting excited about on the Epic Games Store. And so because of this, um, 
you know, people are upset. Now, on the, on the other side of it, we're, we're talking about $50 games right now. The other side of it, developers like uh, the developer of Super Meat Boy. Yeah. He's looking at it and he goes, well, my game is $4.99 right now. And so, you know, again, the, the issue is, is that, yes, Epic Games is going to cover the, uh, the, that percentage, and I'm looking for it right now. I didn't have it um, bullet-pointed what, what that cut is. I, f- I thought it was I'll look, in, in, I'll look and see if I can find it. Yeah, I thought it was in here somewhere. But basically, they're, they're arguing like that it's, it's devaluing their game. You know, and and so a fifteen dollar game all of a sudden becomes five bucks, and it, it creates a lot of problems. Uh, and they used uh, the developer of Super Meat Boy was quoted on here talking about the the disappointment that is this. To me, it sounds weird because so many developers are coming out and kind of uh, they're not they're not bashing everything that Epic Games is doing, but they're they're clearly not they weren't ready for this. And that's what that's the part that like kind of shocks me is that it doesn't seem like this was communicated very well to the the developers of you know of the Epic Game Store, and that's where it all kind of just has a bad taste right now. And and this isn't great because you got a lot of people that are hating on the Epic Game Store already. It's that new up and comer that's putting a lot of pressure on Steam, pissing people off because they're pulling exclusive games to them. And so this isn't necessarily the best thing for them to happen. I don't think it's going to really cause any long-term issues, but overall, you know, it's just a little hiccup that they've had. I have a little bit of information about that. Feed now, us the info. I, uh, I must, I'm gathering that this person, uh, this guy, uh, Mike Bythel. Yeah, Bytel, Mike. Mike, yeah. Director and writer of the John Wick Hex game. Yeah, looks that's, good. That's currently up for pre-order. Looks cool. Um, he is saying, uh, "Look at this as Epic covering your covering their your portion of the bar tab. They're still getting paid in full. Epic's just chipping in the ten dollars. So um, I don't nothing in his tweets make it sound like it's a percentage. It sounds like the game developers and publishers are being paid in full. But I understand." Uh, specific developers not wanting their game to be marked down to just $5 because it does devalue it because let's look at Nintendo games. Nintendo games never go on sale. They have this perceived high value. There's a lot of games that when they come out, I say, I'll wait to find that for $10. I'll wait to find that for $5. And if the guys who developed Super Meat Boy never have intentions of selling their game below $12.99 or whatever is maybe the cheapest I've seen Meat Boy go or $9.99, if they don't ever want it to drop below that price for perceived value, it does hurt their brand. Well, it's the same kind. Yeah, that's exactly it, and that's the, the way better explanation and correction on on what I said. Mm-hmm. But the so the issue here is, and here's an example: you and I are Rocket League fans. True. So we've bought Rocket League mul- multiple times for some of us. But the issue is, is that Rocket League was free on PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. and that's when Rocket League got it blew up. So. I have people that didn't download Rocket League when it was free and won't buy it now because they because it was free. They're like, well, I'm not going to pay for a free game. Like, that's literally what they say. Yeah. It's like, well, it was only free for a month. And they're like, yeah, but I, you know, I missed it, so I missed it. I'm like, right, but you're missing out on a fun game, like a great game. Yeah, I'd play it if I would have downloaded it. Like that's that, insane. That's insane. It, to us, it's insane because it's a game we play every day. But I do understand that in the sense of like I've missed I've missed free games from like some of like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold or whatever that I think about and I go, uh, someone's like, hey, let's play this. I'm like, oh yeah, I have that, and I go look and I don't, and I'm like, oh, I must have missed that download. How much is it on the store? Twenty bucks. No, I'm not gonna play that. That is like I, the guy that buys every video game, like that was my reaction to. It. I was like, nah, well, let's part play of diff- something else. Part of the, the, this happened between you and I at least twice. We've had that happen where one of us has missed a game that we thought we had. Yeah, but that's part of the difference. You thought you owned that. Yeah. So thinking you own something and then finding out you don't and seeing it's twenty dollars, you go, well, I'm not going to buy that right now because it's it's not like you were. Co- it's not like you had ever mentally thought I'm going to pay for this game. Yeah. It'd be different if if I was like, hey, let's play this game. You're like, oh, I missed it when it was on sale. I'm like, yeah, but l- like, let's link up on Saturday and play it. I know you missed it, but like, let's play it together. 
that's different than instantly finding out how much it costs and not wanting to buy it. Like if you had time to space out and decided you have the desire to play this game opposed to I'm just going to play it because it's free. Yeah, they're, they're different thoughts. They're the, different minds. They are different thoughts, but it does show the point that once yeah. a game goes free or goes ultra discount, that looking at it at a normal retail price, all of a sudden it never it never seems to re- rebound back to that price in, in a lot of people's minds. Absolutely. They go, I don't think I should have to pay fifteen dollars for that because it was free. I'll wait for it to be dollar ninety nine, you know, type deal. And so, from a developer standpoint, you don't want that that to be your game. Here's here's a really good example. Skyforce. We love the Skyforce yeah. games. Some of our favorite games to play on Switch, PlayStation. You played a ton on Vita. Um, they I'm sorry, re- Vita. <laughs> you're a Vita guy. Don't even deny your your <laughs> love for the Vita. Um, what are they like? Fifteen bucks? Something like that. ten bucks? They're like ten bucks. Yeah. Launch on Switch. Love the games. And I go. I know they're gonna go on sale. Like, I know they're going to. I know they're not going to sit at that $10 price point. And as soon as I saw one of them, I, anniversary, as soon as I saw that go on sale for like 6 bucks, I was like, well, Reloaded will eventually do the same thing. I'll wait. And it makes sense the developer doesn't want to create that that sense of things. It's the same idea that every every week when you when we're sitting at lunch and you're going through the, the deals on the Ooh, Switch, right? Yeah. And you're like, this game's 19 cents. And we look at it and we go... Why are they giving this game away? Like it's why are they selling this for nineteen? Timberman verse. When you look at like the effort that was put into the game, and and again, me sitting back and understanding to an extent of what type of work was put into this game, and they're selling for nineteen cents, and I'm like, how much does this game normally cost? And you're like seven ninety nine, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's like eighty. 80- Five percent off, or what was the one game that we? I bought Dynamite <laughs> Fishing like a month ago. Yeah, yeah. It was a nine ninety nine game marked down to nine cents. So with tax, was a dime. Good <laughs> lord, was that not worth nine cents? Let alone ten dollars. It was ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I um, but I mean, it's that same idea that you don't want to devalue and 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 those are the type of games that you worry also devalue games around it, right? Is that the indie scene is very popular. It's very popular on the Switch right now. You get these games that just they throw on 90% discounts and stuff like that. So then all of a sudden you go look at another indie game that's 15 bucks and you go, whoa, 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 why is this one not on sale? You know, it, it starts like you don't want this product over here to just be discounted all the time or way too aggressive. And because of it, not only does it hurt the you know, the, the product we're talking about, but it also can hurt products around it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder also if that's why it's like, you know, I, I, Borderlands has nothing to worry about, but why some of these games just literally said coming soon. Like they removed their game and said coming soon instead of even giving you the option. Yeah. Now, mind you, anybody that bought the game before it was pulled, will the, the discount will get honored. You're not going to get a cancel or anything. So if you were lucky enough to pre-order Borderlands 3 or whatever when the sale first hit, you're going to get it for that 50 bucks, so which is what they said. But I don't know. It's interesting. It, it goes back to us talking about value, time, and, and platform where you're going to put your game and why you think it's where you're going to have success. And Epic Games is, is experiencing a little bit of fluctuation in that, in that developer sense of, like, we don't necessarily like your broad, wide-open wide sale. I, I, I keep thinking about Stardew Valley. Man, Stardew Valley on the Switch, I don't know has that ever been on sale since it launched on Switch. It's always 15 bucks because I'm always keeping an eye out to see if it'll go on sale. But if you think about if you're Stardew Valley, if you're Super Meat Boy, if, you, if you're some of these top-tier independent video games, you're getting a hell of a game for $10 or $15, right. $20. You're yeah. getting a, And so if you're that developer and you believe in your game that much, and if your game has gained notoriety... You don't need to put it on sale in a lot of regards. If you look at the top top Switch games, the download only, Stardew Valley is always really high up there. It's never been on sale. It's not readily advertised. It's just a quality independent title. And I think sometimes uh, as a gaming fan in 2019, we lose sight of that. I feel like we're so spoiled with really good games for 10 to $20, where if you jump back pre you know pre Xbox arcade pre you know just online only you know downloadable games any new game you wanted was $60 
Yeah. It's crazy to think the quality of games that we're getting. So I know I would just hope that we can respect the developers that are already giving us a great game at a great price and not necessarily think that they're being greedy or think anything ill of them for them believing in the product and believing in the price point. Yeah, just remember that that uh, when you're buying games, especially on the, in the indie scene, that uh, you know who you're supporting and and what your what what that money is going to do for that small group usually you know when we're talking indies here we're talking a very small team of people that have put you know created something special for you like you know Ori in the Blind Forest Cuphead Super Meat Boy like yeah. I mean the the list goes on and on and on but those are just a couple that come right to the top of my head where it's like wow that you know. If it was sixty bucks, I'd probably complain, but it totally could be sixty bucks half the time. You know, you could sit there and be like, "Yeah, that's a that's a forty dollar game." Absolutely. When you're done playing it, you're like, "Wow, I just played through Celeste, which was free on the Xbox Live Gold after it won indie, you know indie game of the year and was up for game of the year. You got it for free, and you're sitting back and you're like, "Wow, that was an amazing adventure." Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll um, you know we'll see how it all pans out with the sale and and what Epic does to adjust with uh, you know their next sale down the road uh, to to better support the, the developers on their on their platform. But uh, yeah, that that is the Patreon news topic, and that is our attack on the news for these topics and much more. You want to visit gameslowmedia.com where you can watch the YouTube videos, you can read the blogs, and you can keep learning about video games in the Discord. Do it all, gameslowmedia.com. Let's get into the Zilla update. Yeah. Ah, Zilla update. Zilla update. Okay. What do I have? Are you ready? Am I ready? The Zilla update. Like, what are you going to talk about this week? Because I actually don't know what my Zilla update is yet. So, so yeah. Let me let me talk about mine. Let let me lead off the Zilla update. We okay. So we we just got into this conversation about. Supporting independent developers, respecting independent developers, believing in independent developers. Like, you know, it was part of the conversation around this sale in the Epic Games Store. Well, I did take advantage of a sale on the Nintendo eShop this week. And I bought a game that I'd been wanting to buy, but, you know, I'll be honest, the sale price made it, uh, okay, now is absolutely the time I need to buy it. I supported a Michigan-based studio that we interviewed on GameZilla Alpha back when we had our our second show, uh, and we did a lot of interviews. Uh, I downloaded Coffee Crisis on the Nintendo Switch made by Mega Cat Studios. Uh, If you want to learn more about Mega Cat, get back in the GameZilla Alpha archives and listen to that interview. They're a super cool developer. They make retro-style games that they actually put on cartridges you can play in your retro system. Super cool. Well, Coffee Crisis is a beat-em-up. And, you know, it's Streets of Rage. Yeah. Style. Golden Axe, you know, yeah. like old school 16 style beat em up. And the story is you're some bar- baristas. There's like a weird wizard. There's aliens that you're fighting and you have to save the world with being a barista and beating people's asses with bags of coffee beans. Yeah. Just like real life. Soon as I fire this game up, I'm in the, like, this is the best video game music I've literally ever heard in my entire life. Yep. The music, and I mean this in the best way, the most complimentary way possible. The music sounds like it was written by Killswitch Engage, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite bands. It sounds so much like it was written by Killswitch. I'm like, this is just badass, just sw- like huge guitar riffs and fast drums just going, well, I'm just running around beating people up with coffee beans. It is so fun i've had a ton of fun playing the game and i'll just pick it up and try to play a couple levels and then die and be like what is going on and i realized that i've had a problem my entire life and i need to talk about it here on this show what's up with beat-em-ups man why am i so bad at them do you have to not do you have to be competent at video games to play beat-em-ups because to me a beat-em-up seems like you should walk smash the punch button and like win that should be all there is and i'm i can't quite figure out the secret i can never make it past like the third level on any given beat-em-up game that's ever existed i try doing more jump attacks i try doing more special attacks and i'm just terrible at beat-em-ups but i'm loving this game yeah i think it comes down to we play 
these types of games just like madmen you know we just go at it and we smash buttons and we and we're just like kill everything when a lot of times you know like if you look at speedrunners and and they pay attention to frames and they pay attention to like spacing and they know like when this type of enemy walks up to them if they if they space themselves the right way they can't hit them yeah. but you can hit them like they know all this so they take less damage yeah. less hits so that you don't have to use as many continues and you get deeper in the game because beat em ups are designed to be quarter eaters back yeah. in the day like yeah. if you're playing the turtles arcade game you're designed you know or simpsons arcade you're designed to dump a million quarters in that to get anywhere in it yep exactly so just i don't think you're, i don't think you're bad at them i, I just am. think just i think they call it like it is i think they're doing what exactly what they're designed to do and yeah. that is make you lose and and you know and yes there's no quarters in this in this example but the idea is it's going to make you continue make you play make you play make you yeah. play and so you know i th- but yeah when you watch like some of these like speedrunners or just professional people that are trying to like you know competitively play these types of games at um, awesome games done quick or whatever um, yeah, you, you watch them analyze and break down these these levels, and I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm just Colossus, and I just run through and just hit my super button, which eats my health up to do so, but I love it, so I do it anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time I get to the boss, I have two hit points, and I die. And then I just respawn, and I do it all over again because it's awesome. You know, That's not how they play that game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We're just in it for the fun. But right. Coffee Christ uh, available on Nintendo. I don't know if it's still on sale, but regardless, you are supporting a, a Michigan-based developer. If you're listening to GameZilla somewhere else in the world, we live in Michigan, so you know we're very pro our local developers. Uh, but Coffee Crisis is a really fun beat 'em up game with just the most kick-ass soundtrack I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, we don't have many of them, so we want to make sure that we keep the ones around that we do because they're special. Absolutely, Mega Cat is for sure a special developer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, I mean, my gaming moment of the week is uh, Rage Two. <laughs> Man. Rage 2, Rage 2, Rage 2, Rage okay. 2. All right. I, you know what? I will use Rage 2 as my gaming moment of the week. <laughs> okay. As my negative gaming moment of the week. Uh, so, we, yeah, we went out to go see uh, Pikachu, and I got there before everybody, so I hit up the, the GameStop that was out there. And I, for some reason, I had just been, I'm like, I'm going to buy Rage 2. I have no idea why, but I'm going to buy it. It's the hypnosis. Well, what it was, is it's like, it's a, I was like, well, it's single player. You know, I had done some research. I'm like, single player only, open world. I go, I could get into this and it could hold me over till Borderlands. Mm-hmm. So I go to GameStop. They have a special edition that comes with like a, a foam, like, um, I forgot what it's actually called in the game, but it's like a, like a throwing star, right? And it comes in this cool box that's the same price. It's the same normal price as the game, no additional money. But it comes in like the box, and it kind of looks like a um, an old VHS like box. That's cool. And I'm like, and but it was for pre order only. And so he's like, "Well, let me see." And he opens the drawer up. He's like, "Wow, I got one left for the Xbox." I'm like, "Perfect, I'll take it." So I get the game, get home, install it, and I'm like, "All right, I'm pretty tired. I'll just you know, I'll just go through the tutorial." I'm like, oh yeah, this game seems pretty cool. But like right away, I'm just kind of like. Something feels a little off with this game. I don't know what it is. And again, I'm very on the fence with Bethesda because I feel like you just flip a coin with them, man. You I either know what get, road you're going down. You here. either get like a game that's playable, or you get this buggy ass mess just turned. Now, I get to work the next day. I read. I read a review. It says eight out of ten. Eight point five out of ten. Fun game. Blah blah blah. I'm like, cool. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna play this. I get home, play the game, and I'm going through it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. I could get into this. Like, I'm starting to notice, like, the cutscenes are a little janky. You know, like this guy, this guy runs a sword through somebody and it looks real bad. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that was, you know, that wasn't very good looking. Then it happened. I got to the open world section. I got my vehicle, and I start driving around. I'm like, wow, this world looks pretty impressive. And I see this mountain. There's this mountain, and there's this road that goes straight up it. I'm like, I don't even know if my car can make it up there. It was, it was just straight. So I have you have boost. So I boost my way up to the top of the mountain. Just enough boost, I get up there. There's a city up there. No one in the city. Huh, cool. All right, I get out. I walk around. I find a door, hit the button. It opens up and lets me drive through the city and go down the other side of the mountain, which takes me to the whole other section of the world. Nice. Like, sweet. That's when it all goes wrong, Deadite. 
<laughs> it all goes wrong, man. I'm like, huh, have the rocks always looked like Nintendo 64 rocks? What? <laughs> I'm like... Like I'm the textures just didn't load? Gone, yeah. Because I started noticing like something was happening up in the city where like the game was actually real buggy. And so I get down the other side of the mountain, and I there was there used to be a freeway, like a broken down freeway above me. It just turned into a black blob of just like <laughs> of like polygon polygon blackness. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. But then you'd like look over to the right, and it'd be like uh, it'd be perfect, super detailed rock. So I get to this point where like my check mark is where I'm supposed to go to to continue this this uh, mission, and. I'm like, oh, I just have to jump on this platform right here, right? And it looked like a ramp that I could drive my car on. So I ramp up, and I just fall through it. And I'm back on the ground again. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Just yeah, Okay, whatever. I get out of my car. This is where it all goes wrong, guys. I get out of my car, and I jump to get on the platform, and I fall through the world with my car following me into complete blackness where I fall. I kid you not. I fell for like a minute and a half just falling. <laughs> But it gets worse. Whatever happened caused the game where, it, like, normally when you die in that game, it just respawns you. Yeah. It couldn't respawn me. It couldn't figure out what to do. It respawned me finally back on the other side of the mountain. Oh. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Okay, that's really annoying, but I'm going to go back up the mountain and at least save there. I get back up to the mountain. It's full of bad guys. I mean, <laughs> hundreds of them. I'm like, wait. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I get murdered in seconds. <laughs> I couldn't get to the other side of the mountain. I gave up, man. I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to that checkpoint. I'll go do something else. And so that's my experience of Rage 2 so far. So I'm in, I'm really butthurt, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really butthurt, where I'm like, how are you giving this an 8.5 out of 10? IGN, how did you give this an 8 out of 10? Like, I can't be the only one that's running into these glitchy, buggy uh, situations in this game. But yeah, uh, that's my gaming moment of the week, I guess, where I just, I stopped and ended up um, contacting Owl and was like, hey man, want to play some uh, some Apex? Because I really need to play something that's not Rage 2. So I'm hoping I get like a patch here soon and that cleans it up. But other than that, the game's been fun. You know, the weapons are wild. It does, it, it reminds me of a, like a goofy Borderlands open world style shooter, but I just I'm like super paranoid every time I go to do something that I'm gonna glitch and then like revert like half hour forty five minutes backwards. There's not I can't I can't accept that too many more times happening to me before I give up on the game completely. I think I'd uh, accept that one more time. I think yeah. maybe one yeah, more if time. If it happens and then to me one more time, I think it probably the game probably just goes on the shelf or goes up on eBay, one or the other. Yeah, because you you could probably still get half yeah. your money back on that, exactly. So. All right. Uh, well, what? we got any emails? We sure do, Z. The FBI has just sent a letter to Gaze informing them that they have discovered new emails. Downloading emails from GameZillaMedia.com. All right, you write them. We read them. It's time for emails here on the GameZilla podcast. Uh, if you want your emails read, Go ahead and send them in info at gamesillamedia.com. Is it weird that I still want you to say, we read them, we read them here on Bit by 8 Bit? Bit by 8 Bit. Bring it back, man. Bit by 8 Bit. We're going to rebrand the show again. Good, good. I think we're due. We're, we're overdue. We're due to regret whatever we called our show and decide we should rename it. My wife said if I ever rename the company again, that like she'll disown me. She's like, this is it. This is the last time. This is all you get. If you ever do it again, I will never come back. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. That's aggressive. <laughs> um, but I'm I'd, serious. She I, actually said that. I believe, I believe it. She's a lady of her word, so we don't want to do that. So uh, so it's time for emails. So, again, if you have a gaming-related question you want answered by Grim and myself, again, info at gameslittlemedia.com is your Hi, shot Grimm. at having your email read. And this week's email is from our good friend, Button Masher Caleb. Oh, can we not read it? Wait, wait, I got something for him. Uh, <laughs> a little quiet fart. Little <laughs> All right. 
This one's coming coming in from BMC. Do you guys have a particular individual or site you go to for game reviews? With so many reviewers and sites like IGN, GameSpot, etc., the reviews are all over the place. Many times the big websites, it seems people are reviewing genres they have no interest in playing. There are a few people I watch for their opinions now. Gamezilla community being the most influential. Thanks, boys. And game on, BMC. Way to suck up. Um... I don't have, boy. He's a company man. Yeah. I don't have like my uh, like a go-to. I generally like to get a range. I like to see what multiple outlets are doing. Like I like The Verge. I, I do check IGN, Kotaku, you know, like those are the big ones. And then I will pay attention, obviously, like what does what does uh, Greg think from Kind of Funny? What does, you know, like some of the individual people think? Um, if it's a shooter, what does Shroud think if he's played it? Uh, stuff like that. So when you and then i like to take those and kind of combine them but in the end most of the time when i'm going to have an opinion on something say like rage 2 i like to have my hands on and then i i compare it right i go and i get mad at ign because i'm like this does this game is a five out of ten at best right now with the bugs and in the issues with it there's no way you should be giving this an eight out of ten like that and so that's i guess where i get my gauge from is i like to see yes what the other outlets are doing then try to get my own personal opinion on it and and blend it together. I think when it comes to to big sources, I do kind of like GameSpot. I feel like GameSpot, they, yeah. I feel like their reviews are a little bit uh, less brown nosy than IGN's. Sometimes it just Can seems be. like IGN is just to, you know trying not to bite the hand that feeds them. And I get that they're, they did they're give big Rage two an eight out of ten, yeah, and like, that was clearly them you know servicing Bethesda. Yeah, I get the position that they're in, but sometimes it makes me ha- it makes it hard for me to respect their opinions on things. Uh, when it comes to individuals outside my friend group, because I, I really don't care to just read reviews. I hate Metacritic because I think the mind of the masses is full of idiots. This is like Rotten Tomato. Yeah, I, I just don't like fan review sites. I'm, I'm not into it. I, I, I'm with you. I like hearing the voices of our community because these are my friends. These are the people I play game with. So if you're in our Discord and you're saying something's total trash, that probably means I'm playing it with you because <laughs> I gravitate towards trash. Yeah, um, like Jurassic so World Evolution. Don't talk about my baby like that that's <laughs> that's crossing the line uh but you know i i care about the opinions of my friends because if if i'm talking to a friend they know what kind of games i like already so if i'm if i am talking a good one of our good friends ea spuds aka sashin if i'm like hey man is monster hunter world good guess what he's gonna tell me it's an amazing game it still might not be right for you. And he'll cut it straight with me. He'll tell me what's great about it, but then also let me know it's a it, it would be a good Monster Hunter game for you to try, but I still don't think Monster Hunter is right for you because he knows the type of games I like to play. So I, I really like getting uh, opinions from friends. And if I had to pick uh, just one person out there on the internet that I enjoy their, their reviews, uh, over a year ago when uh, I was on full WWE 2K Oh god. 18 rage or whatever it was on the Switch that awful WWE port on on the Switch that I've I've uh, purged from my mind. Uh I found a YouTuber that I would say many people on this show would have at least heard of, RGT85. Dude was pissed about this game and I subscribed to his channel and I started <laughs> and I started watching his other shared his pain. Yeah, I was like this dude is mad. He was trying to start a movement to recall the game and get a refund. And I was like I support this guy. And uh I, I enjoy his opinions on uh, on games and game hardware, uh, and and he seems like he shoots pretty straight, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's it, and I do like your idea of obviously we have the community, we have the Discord. There's always stuff going on. Talk people talk about uh, like uh, up and coming games, um, like Bloodstained, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something that that we were not very excited for, and then all of a sudden it kind of like surprised us and you had the community kind of hype it up and and because of that it i fed into it and it was like oh i better get this pre-ordered you know that pre-order happened because of the community so, did you pre-order the physical from best buy yeah mm. yeah so and, and so that happens too you know and i mean sometimes we get burned on it and sometimes it's a great thing you know like um i'd say the 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 letdown of, of the community was anthem 
Yeah. You know, Anthem has just been a, has been a mess, and and Bioware hasn't been able to figure out how they're gonna how they're gonna write the ship or if they can write the ship. But at the same time, we'll turn around and uh, like we'll have someone that's playing a ton of indie games, and they'll play games that we've never heard of before, and they'll talk about it, and you'll go, "Wow, I really want to try that." You know, mm-hmm. like um, uh, Bax, Sci-Fi AJ, right now. He's just on this kick of all these just kind of weird off their games, but yeah. but when he explains them to you, you're kind of like, man, I might want to give this one a try, and that's not even my style of game, but yeah. you know that that's the cool stuff that that happens when you when you're part of a you know part of a community. So for sure, I do I do appreciate everybody's input on that. I appreciate you. That's what I appreciate about you. All right, anything else? That, that's our emails for the week. So, BMC, again, thanks for emailing that question in. It was a good one this week. And if you want your emails read here on the show, like BMC, info at GameZillaMedia.com, and uh, yeah, we'll do our best to answer it. Well, this has been episode 260 of the GameZilla podcast. We want to thank our patrons one last time. If you want to become a patron, you want to help this this show and this network grow and get some perks along with it, then head on over to patreon.com slash gameslowmedia. We appreciate every dollar that we can get from you guys. It helps us so much. And, um, you know, make sure to listen to all the other great shows. You going to tell them about them? I sure will. Uh, a lot of great shows at GameZillaMedia.com. Of course, available iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the same place you can listen to the GameZilla podcast, Legend of Retro, covering uh, retro gaming. They recently have had uh, a quite an excellent guest on talking oh, about Donkey Kong go. Country 3. Uh, he is both knowledgeable and humorous and uh, third fact charming. He's very charming. And his name, his name is me. Yeah. Dead at night. His name uh, is Dum Dum. <laughs> uh, noobs and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons storytelling podcast. DM Craig WK walks some noobs through their first campaign. Start at episode one. It's a great story. It'll take you on an adventure and you won't be able to stop. It is our most binge worthy show on the GameZilla Media Agreed. Network. Agreed. Last Action Podcast covers action movies. It's a thrill ride every single week. And of course, Noiseland Arcade. Uh, they're currently covering season two of The Simpsons. They take you through uh, every single episode, break it down, talk about the cultural effect at the time, and, um, you know, it's super fun. If you're a Simpsons fan, it is a must-listen to. That's Noiseland Arcade, and they're all available at GameZillaMedia.com and everywhere you listen to the GameZilla podcast. Yeah, and again, on the website, you have the uh, YouTube access with all sorts of highlights from this show and everything else going on. You have the blog. You have our streamers like Craig WK, our newest streamer who's uh, streaming every like during the day. Okay, like if you don't have a streamer during the day, it's Craig WK. Go Get find it. him. Hit that hit that follow button. He's working his way towards affiliation. They're on Twitch. Craig WK. We got Matrix on stage. We have Grim Dino myself. Um, we have Deadite. Has a stream since September, Not but since he's September. still a streamer. You have to. You guys have to work on him. You have to join the Discord and call him out and be like, "Man, we need to see you play Rocket League. If you're playing Rocket League, just stream it because you're so good." And I will tell you, you're platinum. Platinum. Uh, excuse me, I'm diamond in Rumble. Don't talk to me like that. Don't <laughs> talk down to me. See you guys. He's higher than I even knew. He's diamond. <laughs> In Rumble. In Rumble. Nope, just drop it off there. Diamond. I'm a Diamond player. Diamond player, and he's not streaming. Can you believe it? I mean, what happens when Cloud9 finds this Diamond player and just signs him to a deal? (laughs) Does Cloud9 need a a Rumble player who's incompetent? Quiet. Cut the the Rumble, man. You got got to live the lie. Maybe I can make... Dude, I might be able to make Ghost roster. Roast. There you go. Anybody can make the ghost roster. Roast. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of cool stuff that you can enjoy at gameslemedia.com. Thanks again for tuning into the episode. We will see you next week. And remember, we are your elite free DLC and uh, for all your gaming news. And until next time, game game on. on.